hello and welcome to another episode of Law Stories. I am Linda Thompson. I'm Megan Talbot. And today we are joined by... Ngobo Emesu. From Aberystwyth University. Could you give us a brief outline of what we will be discussing today? Um, I'll be talking about the UN Sustainable Development Goals uh, and looking at it particularly within the context of access to justice for environmental victims. And perhaps if I want to narrow that further within the context of environmental victims in developing countries. Okay, that sounds very interesting. Um, Could you give us um, a bit of background about what you mean by sustainable development goals? Right. Um, The sustainable development goals were adopted in September of 2015. Um, They replaced the Millennium Development Goals. And these were essentially a set of goals set by the UN at the time when 2020 seemed to be far far away. away. And the idea was that we were going to be, or we were, the target was to try and eradicate some of the extreme forms of poverty and lack of development across the globe. Um, Of course, at the end of that period, um, substantial gains had been made in specific areas, but there was a lot yet to be achieved or to be done. And so the international community came together again to look at what replaces or what takes the Millennium Development Goals targets further. Uh, and so the Sustainable Development Goals were, if you like, replaces or builds upon the achievements of the Millennium Development Goals. Uh, the key thing, however, is that whereas the Millennium Development Goals were more or less targeted at developing countries only, these SDGs, Sustainable Development Goals, have a much wider remit and it has a global focus. Um, it also keys into this idea that development has to be sustainable, Mm -hmm. uh, which, of course, is something that has been evolving in an environmental context since about 1992, certainly, after the Rio conference. So it it has that much wider remit and focuses a lot on the relationship between development, environment, poverty, and all of those indices. Okay. And why is it um, developing countries that are of particular interest? Well, developing countries are of particular interest uh, because, quite clearly, they are developing countries. So if we're thinking about uh, development goals, the areas where you have the highest levels of poverty, Mm -hmm. disease, and all the other aims of the Millennium Development Goals, which, as I said, the SDGs have taken over from, uh, um, would be developing countries. Uh, And also some of the structural issues that give rise, but not not, not just from an economic context, but the wider structural issues that give rise to lack of development are more of a challenge within developing country context. But as I said, what the SDGs does recognize is that uh, even though you may have higher GDPs in developed countries, there are still pockets of issues within those countries that need addressing, and that one of the key issues we really do need to look at is development in a sustainable manner, and that cuts across the board. Okay, and is this the reason what got, why you're interested, and what got you interested? Um, what got me interested? Well, I've always been interested in environmental issues, and I've been researching around environmental law, and access to justice, one of the things that I have been researching about. So, quite clearly... Um, when the SDGs were being negotiated and all of the write-ups following up to that, I have followed. And because I've been working around the area of access to justice, and one of the key underpinnings in Goal 16 of the uh, SDGs was access to justice, it became quite relevant for my work to look at how that goal can enhance some of the 
issues or can address some of the issues within the context of access to justice in environmental matters and perhaps possibly give uh, environmental victims better access to justice. Uh, okay. uh, yeah. And what do you mean by um, environmental victims? Oh, by environmental victims, I mean people who are suffering uh, the impacts of environmental pollution, environmental degradation um, as a result of essentially industrial activities, although not completely uh, or not totally just industrial activities. Um, and part of what drives that interest is that in a lot of developing country contexts, and indeed developed countries, uh, a lot of these victims may not necessarily be able to access the formal justice system, either because of structural barriers or just because the, 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 the frameworks are not there really to address the concerns that they have. So, okay. so um, of course, as I've already said, the Sustainable Development Goals, which I'll be referring to now as SDGs, because it's quite a mouthful, <laughs> were adopted in September of 2015 and were a replacement to the Millennium Development Goals. Now, of course, the Millennium Development Goals came to the e an end in 2015, you know, so clearly there was a gap. And I think this is one of the areas where I think the U international community has been successful in that there really wasn't a real gap before something came to replace the MDGs. Uh, there are 17 key goals set out in that framework. Uh, and of these 17, there are 169 targets which are outlined for the international community to achieve over the next 15 years. So there is a 15-year window for the world to achieve these goals. And the SDGs really are entitled Transforming Our World, the 2030 Agenda for Sustainable Development. So 2030 is the target where we expect mm -hmm. that we would have achieved the target set out in this goal. And it has a, much, a sort of a wide remit. So for instance, uh, the resolution adopted it is quite ambitious. It talks about strengthening universal peace, enlarge freedom, free the human race from the tyranny of poverty, and want and to heal and secure our planet. Take the bold and transformative steps which are urgently needed to shift the world onto a sustainable and resilient path. Uh, so clearly, there is quite a lot of hortatory statements there about this wide ambition, this wider yeah. goal of creating a world that is peaceful, resilient, um, Without poverty. Without poverty. <laughs> and of course, one of the big debates is whether or not we can always, we can ever eradicate poverty because mm. I think we're always going to have relative poverty. But I think it's talking about looking at the extreme forms of poverty. And as I think I said, a major departure of the SDGs from the MDGs is a recognition of the need to integrate in a holistic manner all of the challenges that is being addressed. So it's not just about poverty. It's not just about maternal uh uh, death or things like that. It's about all of this, looking at all of this in a holistic manner. And I, and I think in that sense, um, it does, if you like, uh, feed into some of the wider principles around environmental issues where we said you must integrate environment into the social, into the economic, so that we have this holistic whole part of what sustainable development is all about. So that idea of there's three pillars, the economic, the social, the economic, all coming together. Environmental. Yeah, exactly. Which is why, of course, it interests me as an environmental researcher. Now, quite clearly, because it has SDG sustainable in its definition, or in a, sorry, in its title, uh, environment is quite central 
to these goals, much more than the MDGs were. So of the 17 goals, six, at least six, are specifically environmental in focus. So you have uh, a goal that is target goal six, which is targeted at sustainable management of water and sanitation for all. Uh, you have affordable, reliable, sustainable, and modern energy for all on the goal seven. Um, you've got goal 12, looking at sustainable consumption and production patterns. Uh, goal 13 looks at climate change in particular to combat the climate, climate change and its impact. And goal 14 looks at conservation and sustainable, sustainable use of the ocean seas, marine resources. Um, and I think goal 15 also talks about uh, combating desertification. So a land degradation, biodiversity loss, all of those really clearly environmental issues. And as I said, I, I, it's this realization that for us to develop, we cannot do that away from the resources that are needed for global development. And of course, the resources are environmental in nature. Uh, and that for a lot of the poorest of the poor, uh, part of the challenge has been that as we've industrialized more, the resources that they've needed to sustain themselves as subsistence and all of that have been impacted so you'll, you're obviously going to have droughts in areas where you've got desertification quite clearly because the land is no longer as fertile or as um, productive as it once used to be so you kind of have those challenges inherent there and, and looking at environment as a focus is quite central to this agenda uh, the global agenda under the SDGs but I think Apart from the very specific environmental goals uh, that I've mentioned, you also have others that talk about the institutions that are necessary to address these challenges. So, for instance, goals 16 and 17 provide for the institutions, the relevant institutions, processes and partnerships. Uh, and if you look at the remaining ones, so in looking at those institutions, of course, clearly, how those institutions address environmental concerns within the context of these very specific goals becomes important. But even if you look at the other goals uh, that are not very ne are not necessarily specifically on the environment, there is an environment bent to them because mm. you cannot really achieve any one of the SDGs, to, to be honest, without some form of recourse um, to environmental concerns. Uh, and as I said, this is not surprising because clearly the focus is on sustainability uh, yeah. of development and within the context of sustainability after Rio, we can see why the environment context is quite uh, important. Now, if you look at the development, when, when the process for development of this was uh, ongoing, uh, we, we, we see a process where the UN conference is also fed into this development agenda. So, uh, for instance, the outcomes from the Rio Plus 20 conference in 2012, which was entitled the UN Conference on Sustainable Development, fed into and was crucial to the development of the SDGs right from the beginning when these discussions around this uh, started. Uh, in fact, it was the Rio Plus 20 conference that first proposed the development of a new set of sustainable development goals uh, to be prepared and for... Uh, further discussion by the open working group to build on the MDGs. Mm -hmm. So again, you see this clear link be between the environment context and the N uh, M uh, SDGs that replace the MDGs. Uh, it was very much subsequent to this process in, in, in 2012 uh, that the then UN Secretary General's parallel initiative of a multi-stakeholder high-level panel of eminent persons 
which at the time was co-chaired by our then Prime Minister, David Cameron, on the post-2015 um, UN development agenda. Now, so clearly there is an environment, a strong environment context in the SDGs. What interests me there then is the interrelationship between this and access to justice mm -hmm. for environmental victims. Because as I've said, uh, in all of the goals that we look at, part of the challenge has been that, and I use this advisedly, the ordinary person in a lot of these areas have been shortchanged by the impacts on the global environment uh, at a local level. So you kind of have these huge global issues, climate change, desertification, biodiversity loss, and all of that. But in all of this is very much a lived experience for individuals. Yes, of course. Um, and for those individuals who have been impacted directly, what are the institutions that are in place to address the grievances? Mm -hmm. Grievances that may be brought about by corporate action, grievances that may be brought about by state inaction. Okay. Um, and, and, and how is this addressed in that wider institutional structure that I said in Goals goal 16 and 17 that is set up within the SDGs to ensure the implementation of these? Uh, so, in a sense, again, this feeds back to that wider discussion about sustainable development within the environment context. Uh, when we look at the Rio uh, Declaration, which of course is where all the sustainability issues started or, or from an environmental perspective, and we look at the procedural aspects uh, and where, for instance, um, I think principles 10 and 11 of Rio Declaration specifically said that, I think principle 10, that for us to achieve proper environmental, good environmental management, we must address the access issues. We must address the access uh, to participation, access to information, and access to courts. Um, and, and that has been built on through the years. Uh, so again, if we look at the um, Rio Plus 20 conference, there was an aspect to that conference that was caused, called the uh, Georges Symposium that was looking at these issues around access. Because without access, you can't really address the environmental concerns. Uh, and then outside of the environmental sphere, we also realized that the uh, in 2012, there was a UN General Assembly resolution that adopted uh, something along these lines on the rule of law. Uh, in recognizing, for instance, the importance of a sustained and inclusive economic growth, sustainable development, the education of poverty and hunger. So in all of these contexts, access to justice becomes important. Do we have the frameworks? Do we have the systems? Do we have the policies in place at national levels, at local levels, to actualize the goals that are set out under the SDGs? Do those frameworks exist? If not, what is it within this frame, within the SDGs themselves, that will help, you know, promote access to justice to ensure that these poly the principles that are set out can be achieved uh, by individuals? I think that really is what I am interested in uh, in looking at this. And if we look at the SDGs, the goal that specifically addresses access to justice is goal 16 and it provides for the promotion of peaceful and inclusive societies for sustainable development and specifically says provide access to justice for all and build effective accountable and inclusive institutions at all levels uh, now what that means <laughs> and how that came about was a whole 
huge process of debates, concessions, compromise for, for them to come to this. Because the initial proposals for the post-2015 agenda, and development agenda, had included a broader concept of the rule of law as a goal, as a specific goal in itself. Uh, and as can be seen from goal 16, or some of the things I've also talked about, uh, the, the SDGs merely provide for access to justice, which, of course, anybody who works within this area would realize access to justice is just one component of the rule of law, which is a much uh, wider component. Now, the reason why this the, 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 the initial, if you like, uh, ambition was pared down has been said to be down to disagreements from a number of countries, uh, and only 50, 58 countries actually supported the initial proposal to have this wider okay. goal for, for, for the rule of law. How many ended up agreeing to it? No, 58 disagreed. So I think we've, we have, we've got about 190-something countries in the UN, so that kind of gives you an idea okay. of how many countries. But is that still the case now, or is that only oh, no. at the beginning? No, no. So, so it never got through. That, that's the oh, point. So, okay. so the rule of law never got through to the... That is the, that, that wider goal of the rule of law never got through okay. in the final document. And what we have, as I said, is a pared-down version of access to justice as yeah. a component um, of the rule of law. Now, part of the argument was that the rule of law was separate and distinct from the three pillars of sustainable development uh, and that we need to focus on the goals what the goals needed to focus on was access to, to justice, which is what you need to operationalize this SDGs, and that perhaps going... Hand um, gestures for those of you listening. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, so yeah, yeah pa 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 perhaps uh, if we were to provide for the rule of law, it will sort of go much beyond the scope of what the SDGs intend to achieve and that a much more practical access to justice context would be uh, a much better targeted uh, thing to achieve. Uh, now, whether, do I agree with that argument? Not necessarily, of course, as you can imagine, um, because arguably providing for the rule of law within the SDGs uh, would have been seen as being necessary for the framework that will ensure the relation of all of the goals. Um, and the rule of law, of course, captures access to justice, but it could ca capture other things as well around the structural uh, challenges I've mentioned, especially in developing countries, towards realizing developmental goals. So perhaps the rule of law could have been included in there, but of course that's the nature of the UN and the mm. nature of international diplomacy, that compromises have to be made. And I think most people were quite happy. Well, not happy, but most people were pleased in the end that um, at least there was something in there. Now. The context within which access to justice is provided within Goal 16 is important uh, because the way the SDGs work is that you've got the goals and then you have specific target. You've got a big wide goal then you have specific targets and then you have indicators which will develop later on to measure uh, the achievement of those goals. Uh, and so if we look at Goal six, uh, target 16.3, for instance, under goal 16, it talks about the promotion of the rule of law at the national and international levels and ensure equal access to justice for all. So, in a sense, it looks at access to justice within the wider context of the rule of law. Uh, 
and then other targets within goal 16 specifically address environmental concerns so goal 16 uh, target 16.7 for instance talks about ensuring responsive inclusive participatory and res uh, representative decision making at all levels and uh, 1610 talks about ensuring public access to information protection of fundamental freedoms in accordance with national legislation and international agreements so clearly it is encapsulating the core principles mm -hmm. enshrined in principle 10 of the rio declaration and of course the ahasuerus convention that talks, uh, looks at access mm -hmm. to justice issues uh, it's probably worth mentioning i suppose that um because the listeners, mostly here anyway, will probably be from this country, so either Wales or the UK, that um, some of the difficulties in representation um, are really um, deep-rooted. So some of the these issues, um, to try and get, to try and overcome them in the first place is difficult, but trying to get that equal across all of the developing countries is an incredible task. Oh, it is. And, 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 and I think... In a sense, I think why this interests me, and I know I've been talking a lot about most people may not be interested about the nitty gritties of, of, of Goal 16, but I think why Goal 16 is important is that even within developed country context, when we talk about access to just environmental matters, there are huge barriers. There are cost barriers. Uh, I know that we're Brexiting now, and so um, um, some of the EU regulations and uh, instruments will no longer apply to us. But one of the areas where... Um, the UK has been slapped on the wrist a few times by the Commission, has been around access to justice issues uh, because some of the issues around costs in environmental litigation, which then deters lots of people from being able to bring action in court uh, and how we address those matters. That's something that the UK has engaged with for quite a while. Um, and, and you can find even within the UK, for instance, that because environmental issues often take the back burner yeah. to the economic uh, you can you you find areas where you have clearly um, breaches of current rules and nothing is done about. And air pollution, for instance, really around the London area, mm. is a huge it's a big example of that. That has been litigated upon. It still hasn't been fully implemented, as we know from time to time we we'll hear on the news what um, the the gaps are. So while the most egregious forms of disenfranchisement for victims is in developing country context. Uh, in the developed world, we have those challenges yeah. as well. And how we address those, I think, is quite important. And perhaps for us, if, if we're exiting the EU, perhaps this could be something that NGOs could also tap into mm. to look at how we take this mm. further. And yeah. If the developing countries like the UK and the examples that you've given are quite prevalent here, imagine what the conditions must be in developing countries oh yeah i mean one of the things of course you find from developing country context is that because the systems within their countries are so weak uh that one of the things you find is that for a number of countries they try to access foreign forums uh, foreign jurisdictions mm. um with limited success i must say um uh, so i think even here in the UK, there was a, sh a case from uh, Nigeria on the shell oil pollution in, in, in Ogoni land, shell and against border, which uh, was a consent agreement and where Shell agreed to pay 15 million pounds, I think it was, um, to the complainants in that instance. And that was after years of trying to access their own country mm. jurisdiction to try and get justice. Uh, 
um, but there are barriers even even in that framework which I, I think is why i'm saying perhaps sdgs may provide some opportunity for developing countries to improve their own systems as well which really is i think one of the real good things that the mdgs tried to do which was look at countries and look at how they can improve their systems and because with the sdgs we've got this measurement indicators then it means that we would be able to over time see whether or not there are improvements in this area. But that really is where then I have a big problem because when you look at the indicators for access to justice, on the one hand, the SDGs didn't go for the rule of law because it was too broad, it was too wide, we had to focus on the environment and all of that. And yet when you look at the, the indicators, which is what is measurable, what you can evaluate uh, within the context of access to justice, what you do find is that it is very much focused on the political so the three indicators talk about imprisonment numbers, um, how many of those people access courts and things like that. And, and quite clearly, if you, look, if you look at that in a very restrictive manner, what you do find then is that it may not necessarily address the concerns from an environmental perspective. So what are these concerns from an environmental perspective? I've already talked, for instance, about the costs of litigation and how individuals can access courts um, where um, they've suffered uh, some harm as a result of environmental impact. Another big issue that a lot of victims do have is that they are, if you like, in this unequal fight between much better resourced no, co companies, for instance, okay. in, the, in, in, in their local jurisdiction uh, that have better access to better uh, um, legal representation mm -hmm. and better access to getting the evidence that they need and all of that. And so you have this unequal balance between complainants and defendants. And you have that within a framework where um, their own countries may not necessarily be inclined <laughs> to promote yeah. uh, their interests because of the economic implications. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and so you have this difficulty. Um, and how you get around that is quite important. And that has nothing to do with prison numbers, which, as mm -hmm. I said, is kind of the kinds of indication indicators that you currently have uh, under Goal 16.3, uh, which is a problem for environmental um, access in environmental matters, especially where the focus, as I've tried to set the, the mm. scene, for the SDGs has a lot to do with environment. Yes, there are political elements, and yes, clearly you needed to have the political aspects of this in, the, in those indicators. But it's quite surprising that the access bits in terms of softer issues rather than political issues like environment, we call them softer because of this idea around third generation rights and all of that, haven't been at the forefront of these indicators mm -hmm. as you do for political rights. Right. Uh, you mentioned third generation rights. Can you explain what you mean by that? Right, okay. Um, that's taking us to human rights. Yes. Uh, now, but, but it is this idea that within the Bill of Rights in the international system, we have what we call the first generation rights, which are uh, enforceable, which are universal, which, if you like, are quote unquote 
people would say the most important rights that we need to protect and 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 and, and, and um, ensure uh, that states respect and protect them. So things like right to life, freedom against uh, um, uh, freedom against torture, and all of that, all of that. And then you have these other, and I put that in quotes again, rights that are evolving around rights to development, which from an enforcement perspective can be quite difficult because the state needs to have the capacity to enforce them and implement them and all of that, but which are still very important uh, for the citizens and for development, as, as we've said earlier on. Uh, but within the international framework, they're still very much seen as softer rights, and so they kind of looked at us a new generation of rights, what they refer to as a third generation rights mm. that are evolved, that may not necessarily be enforceable and that are mainly aspirational, mm. if you like, uh, rather than the core corpus of... So are these things like the right to an education, right yes. to housing? Yeah. yeah. Why this is important? Because, of, of course, we're still very much at the beginning and, and, and there's still all of this global effort around how we implement the indicators. Because... Whether or not the SDGs work to a very large extent will be depending on what indicators are yes, of course um, developed and how those are monitored uh, and who does that monitoring and how much information we have on there. Um, and because I think access to justice is in environmental matters is quite central and important, um, looking at the indicators that have been set up and getting around those from an environmental perspective, will be quite significant. Mm -hmm. There are organizations that work around this, such as NAMATI, um, which basically is trying to find ways in which they will empower uh, local groups, citizens, uh, in accessing justice. And, and some of those, I think, would be quite useful if it's fed into the system uh, to try and achieve uh, justice for victims of environmental harm. Because for them, for a lot of these groups of people, what happens at the local level, as I said, is quite central. It's central mm. to whether or not they have food to eat, whether they can send their kids to school, whether they're healthy, because in a lot of instances the waters are polluted, uh, the land is polluted. And so it's very much at the core mm. of their lived experience and, and, and how we address it, I think, is quite important for whether or not we achieve the SDGs in the long run. Mm. Okay. Well, thank you for speaking with us today. Um, my name is Linda Thompson. I'm Megan Talbot. And God bless you. And thank you for listening to us uh, at Law at uh, Law Stories. Uh, if you are interested in listening to more of our episodes, you can keep uh, up to date with updates from us at our Facebook page, which is at facebook.com/slash/lawstoriespodcast. You can also follow our Twitter, which is at lawstoriespod. We also have a Patreon if you want to help fund our. Uh, audio hosting and things like that, uh, which is at patreon.com um, slash law underscore stories. And you can listen to our uh, episodes on SoundCloud at soundcloud.com slash law stories. Thank you for listening. <laughs>